Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome. Welcome to an all-new episode of Comedy Gold Mines. Where we do what, people? Huh? We get inside the minds of brilliant comedians. And oh my God, what amazing minds they are. And today, well, today, this mind is one that I'm just in awe of because this is a mind that's that's done so much, been in the business for so long, achieved high levels of success. This guest needs no introduction. By the way, which is the name of, of their newest show, which is on Netflix? My guest needs no introduction. There's only a couple people that can pull a title like that off that you can't even question. This man is one of them. God, how lucky am I? Ladies and gentlemen, David Letterman. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. That was very nice. Oh, man. Uh, dude, I am, I'm honored. I'm honored to be on the opposite side of this conversation. Uh, well, uh, l- l- let me just say that uh, I have great admiration for you and maybe you've heard this story, and maybe I've told this to you in person. Uh, but if I haven't, I've told it to many, 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 many other people. And I find it uh, very satisfying to tell. Uh, the, I believe the first time you were on the show, do you know the story I'm about to tell? I want to hear it. No, tell okay. me. Okay. Um, the uh, segment producer uh, named uh, Brian Tetta comes out to me during the commercial, the band is playing, and you're about to be introduced. And he said uh, to me, he said, um, I don't know. He uh, he didn't really give me uh, a pre-interview. And uh, I, all he would say to me was, don't worry, I can make anything funny. <laughs> and and I thought, oh, it's one of these guys. Let, <laughs> let's see how this goes. So I was really excited and, and quietly hoping that you would come out and start perspiring and <laughs> and muttering and and perhaps even twitching. Uh, so you came out, you sat down, bang, zoom. And at the end of the two segments, I said to uh, my friend Brian, holy crap, he can make anything funny. Wow. I've never I've never seen that machine. Uh, that was the only time I've seen that machine in in my experience. So it was wow. it was great, and I love telling the story because uh, I was so happy to be proven wrong. It was great. You know what? I I remember the moment. I remember the moment of Claire's day, because I went through this phase. You know, when you first start, and you know, uh, David, you start you start getting the levels of, uh, of of success, and there's a marketing and promo that's attached to it, right? And you're in position to now get across those late night stages. And, you know, it was the first time that all the pre-interviews were being thrown at me of of the things that you want to talk about and, and the direction that you want to go and give us some things. And, you know, that's how they help navigate uh, the conversation. And more importantly, it just helps the host, right? Yeah, it really is an aid to the host. And, and also, I think uh, the goal 
historically for the pre-interview was to make both the guest and the host look as good as they're going to look in eight minutes, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I remember saying, you know, I was like, I don't, I don't like the pre-interview. I feel (laughs) like I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm good enough of a, of a talker and, and I'm good enough in a conversation to pick up something if it's down and to amplify it if it needs the volume turned up or down. Like I, I, I think I'm kind of good at that. I don't want to give the pre-interviews. I said, is there any way where we can just talk? And it, it got to a point where it started to become uh, more of a believable thing where the the publicist that I was working with, I guess, started to convince the you know the producers that i would be fine because i I was finding discomfort in it and i remember doing your show and i remember them going okay well we're just gonna you know just give us a couple things my publicist that gave some bullet points but i didn't i was like we're gonna be fine this is me on david letterman i'm so hyped to sit in that chair i couldn't wait to sit in that chair it was the biggest thing for me to sit in that chair it was you know these are moments of i've arrived I've arrived and it's all happening. And I, I swear to you, I remember that conversation. Yeah. And- well, I'm, I'm, you're, you're flattering me, but the impressive part of that was you. But, you, you know, I think you're right. The, the idea, uh, I mean, I got it from when I was a guest on The Tonight Show and they were, they held that very rigid that you had to go through uh, the pre-interview and then you did another pre-interview when you got to the studio. And I think it was just because they wanted everything to be as slick and as smooth and kevin you'll be surprised to know uh, that not everybody can acquit themselves talking on tv for absolutely so uh it it was uh you know all, all boats rise with the tide and i think it was to help people who in show business in spite of the fact that they couldn't hold a conversation <laughs> you know you know what man right now i have i have an opportunity Right, I have an opportunity to talk to you and ask you questions, and you know I could go down the traditional lane and ask you questions where people already know the answer. We know that you've been on late night. We know that you've spent years on late night, and we know we know a lot of the stories. And if you don't know, it's not hard for you to educate yourself and find out the story. Um, I want to talk to you about your now, right? And and here's why: you seem to have such a a different calm over you now. And and I'm watching your your show uh, on Netflix. My guest needs no introduction. And your approach to it, um, you know, the top of the shows, you're loose with the crowd, the audience. Um, what what is the difference? What do you feel is the major difference for you in your your world of talk show now than what it was when you had Letterman? Uh, thank you for the observation. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you, there is a, a deeper response here than the question might suggest. Mm. But uh, not doing the show that I did for 30 years, I have realized that my direction, attention, and uh, energy w- was uh, misplaced for a long, 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 long time. And that life, uh, specifically my life, went around me like a stone in a stream the water breaks and goes around it so you don't get the benefit of the stream on either side of the stone you just get what divides the the water and that that was me i was so fixated on the show that other parts of of my life or anybody else's life that was close to me 
was overlooked or second or third tier. So what I have realized since then is that, uh, you know, you're not the most important person on television. You're mm. not even the most important person in your family. But I certainly behaved that way for a long, long time. So in approaching the Netflix show, uh, the schedule is, has greater humanity. We're only doing a handful at a time. And I, I think you probably understand what I'm talking about. That's so, so clear. Yeah. Because I, I, you're in, in talking to you now, I can see being on the other side of this equation, you, you get it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it wasn't until I stopped doing it and you mentioned the word calm and, and that was never associated with me and, and still can't be associated with me to the degree I wish it was, but uh, it takes the frenetic aspect, which typically is artificial and, and lets you see really what is not artificial. How did you, how did you come to the realization though? Like it doesn't just happen. You know, I know what my moment was. I know what, and, and honestly verbatim, you know, to what was some your degree. moment? Well, my moment was the accident. You know, oh. my moment was my accident. And, and, you know, I've talked about it before, but it was, it for me, that moment was, you're not in control. That moment was, you don't run shit. You're not in control. You use the word I too much and you have been. And right now you've been told to sit the fuck down. Yeah. Basically to some degree, I've been told to sit down and take a real look around me. I had to take a real look around me. And when you're talking about observation, when you're talking about the feeling of being the most important and everything has to revolve around you. I, I so, I heard that. I heard that it registered. And, you know, when, when I was in that hospital and I'm in that, that hospital room and you look around and those four, those four walls are filled with three people, three or four people that whole that that whole thing that i was holding on to of fame of volume of of need and energy didn't matter it didn't matter it was my my wife my kids my brother oh fuck this is look at my look at my my real energy source yeah am yeah. i giving them this energy that they're giving me am i doing it at the same level that was the real fucking that was the real gut check for me so what was yours what was your what was your moment of realization thank god i didn't have as dramatic a moment as as did you but the effect is the same it just took longer for me it was when i stopped doing the nightly show mm. because when i was doing the nightly show and, and lord knows how long i was doing it the first thing i would do in the morning would be to look at the ratings and if uh, we were competitive in the ratings, I felt comfortable. If, if we had been defeated or humiliated in the ratings, uh, my stomach would be churned up and in knots. Mm. And that's how I would spend my day. And, and once I stopped doing the show and there were no ratings on what I had done the day before, that slowly seeped away from me. And it was like getting a new prescription of eyeglasses. Mm. Started, you started seeing things more clearly. You started seeing other things, other things that you're supposed to see, other things that are automatic that I had blinders on. And it's embarrassing for me to admit this. And, and I feel supported knowing that you went through another form of it. But the, the real question is, as, as I remember from my heart surgery, which was a long time ago now, 
That's supposed to be a life-changing moment too. But there's something about the human machine that will not hang on to these peaks and to these valleys. The, the human machine always goes back to the mundane. And there will come a time, and it is time, uh, away from the realization that you had, the realization that I had, uh, that you lose the importance of that, that moment. Now, I'm lucky because I'm not going back to fight the war. You, you have to go back and fight the war. You're working. You, you mm -hmm. have to prove yourself every time out. Uh, and so you have to be cautious that that doesn't supersede what you learned via your experience. It's, I just had this conversation, my friend Harry, uh, one of my best friends, we were, we're out in Budapest. It's a, it's a lot of the scenery is amazing. We're taking a walk, right? A walk. And I want my listeners to hear this. We're, we're taking a walk. And I want you to ask yourself, when's the last time you've taken a walk? And do you still understand the value behind taking a walk? You know, the, the car, the car has done so much damage to us that we forgot what steps are and the benefit that comes from it. And during this walk, we're talking and I, and I told Harry, David, I said, uh, I said, dude, you know, you know what I'm starting to, to really understand and what I'm really starting to see is that I'm not, I'm not a victim of the, of the business. And, and what happens is the business, it grabs you in a way to where, just like you were talking just now, you were talking about checking the ratings, the number one, the, if you're not, if this, and it's, it's to nobody's fault because there's no handbook. We don't get a handbook when we start this that tells us how we should operate, how we're supposed to navigate. And it's about number one. It's about the best. It's about the biggest. It's about it's about the biggest comedy, the biggest uh, thriller of the year, the the best movie. Everything is about the best. And what happens when you get wrapped up into that? If things come your way and it's not that, there is no feeling of success that's attached. It only becomes a feeling of failure, unless you have the mindset to operate in it correctly. Right. And at the age 41, I was telling Harry, I said, dude, I'm not a prisoner of that because I no longer, I'm not trapped in that. I understand that my wins are being able to do what I want to do and being able to be happy within my creative. Those are my wins. And he said, so do you feel like, do you feel like you lose when you don't get number one? I said, no, but only because I've experienced it. If I didn't experience that, I wouldn't know that the feeling of having it is the same of not having it. Like it's, you, you have to, you gotta, you gotta play the game and be in the game to truly understand it. And dude, it's, as you see, I'm getting passionate when I'm talking because what you're saying, I, I'm, I clearly understand. <laughs> and there's not many, there's not many that, that can, because they don't have the opportunity for those lenses to get wiped of the fog. Yeah. I think it's so dope to hear you talk the way that you talk now. You know, it's refreshing to see clear. Yes, you're absolutely right. And, and the problem with me, and maybe this is true with everyone, uh, when, uh, when I could make a room full of people laugh, <clears throat> whether it was in the beginning at a, at a club in California or in a studio at NBC, then I would feel... I was worth something. Uh, 
Mm. If I didn't, if I bombed or we had a lousy show, then I would have another period where I felt worthless. And it wasn't till I could get another chance to make people laugh that I felt like I was worth something. And that's, that's sad. So with, with that mechanism behind me, uh, I have, I have to take what I have and, and learn to be okay with it. Were you, was there somebody that you had to confide in to, to help you get this mental grasp? Like, was there somebody that, that helped point you in the right direction of, of, of understanding yourself and why you were feeling the way you were feeling or how you were feeling the way you were feeling that, well, that allowed it, you to get here? Yeah, that's, a, it, it, of course I had help. Um, and, but I, I didn't, I never ever felt comfortable sharing this with anybody because I thought it was, if it became public, it, it would be looked on as, oh, he's a weak person. Mm. Perhaps I am, uh, but I did share it with people. I've been in, in and out of therapy. Uh, the problem with therapy for me is after a while I get, you know, it's the same old stories. I, I get bored with my material. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I feel like, oh, then I start making stuff up to entertain the psychiatrist. And I feel like <laughs> I'm really getting paid here. I'm paying the person. But I got to recognizing a pattern of my life, which was, I did so-and-so and so-and-so to make me feel okay. I used to be an alcoholic mm -hmm. and, the, and I remember clearly having conversations uh, with a person close to me uh, asking me why I was drunk on the living room floor many years ago. And the question was, why are you always drunk? Fair enough question. And I said, because I just like the way I feel drunk. I feel better drunk than when I'm not drunk. Mm. And there was that device that followed me throughout my life. And it's the same as every night I get a chance to prove my worth. Uh, and as you grow older, the, the wisdom of life kind of compounds and accumulates and you sort of start to, you know, it's time now to, to land this. I like, I, I like what you're saying so much. And this is all, you know, this is, this is news to me. You know what I mean? This is the value of, of comedy gold mines you know this is why i did this honestly it's a selfish reason behind me doing the podcast and that's to to talk to people that i admire but to have really deep conversations where i can walk away with a different level of understanding because what we do what we do in this business we meet people and we we say we know them without knowing them right right it's a, it's a habit of of old that we all have yes i know him i was a good guy mm -hmm. that's a good person that's a good yeah. no great person love them yes and you don't really know them. And, and, and I don't want, I don't want that. It's often a difference between, and sadly, I think this is true in, in life difference between uh, show business friends, because I met lucky enough to meet every uh, significant man or woman act in, in any uh, variety of show business. But how many of them were my friends? Well, sadly, not many of them were actually my friends. I was always glad to see them, but to, to the point you're making, you know, they're, they're not your real friends. Absolutely. Do you feel now, now at this point of clarity and where you are in your life and doing the show, when you're talking to people, right? Um, I can only assume, and my assumption could be wrong here, that sometimes you hear what people are saying and you know that people are where you were or that 
some people are in that space and you can possibly have a moment of, oh boy, oh my God. Like, I wonder, should I say something? Like, should I, at some point, should I pull this particular person aside and say, hey, take the time to really, really look around and just appreciate what's going on. Like, do you ever have moments like that now, you know, after talking to guests where you want to pull some people aside to maybe prevent the things that you know are going to happen? Yeah, that's, this is interesting. This has never come up. Uh, the, the, the Netflix show, I'm lucky because it's like this. We, we can talk. We can actually talk. We, I don't know what the time limit is here. Um, I know the uh, Hungarian authorities might break in and shut us down at any minute. <laughs> we can talk. We can talk. <laughs> uh, We're good. <laughs> so that's what I like about the, uh, the Netflix show. But there was an occasion a few years ago when uh, somebody I knew, knew of, again, not friends, but knew of, and knew was having some difficulty, the same kind of difficulty I once had. And I struggled with the idea, should I go to this person and say, I learned this lesson. Uh, I hope you can learn it. But, mm. you know, I didn't. I was timid because I, I felt ultimately, you know, I'm not in a position to be telling somebody how to live their life. But and I, I believe from what I understand, the realization came for this person and no longer shares the situation that I was in. So mm. maybe it should happen more, but I just never had that kind of confidence. I mean, have, have you done that? Have you taken somebody aside and said? I, I, I told this, I forgot who I was talking to. I was talking to somebody else on my podcast, man. And, and I was telling them a story about like Will Smith. Will Smith said something to me that rocked me fucking rocked me man and it, and it put me in a position to no longer want to give advice but i'll give information uh will smith says something to me he said dude i've found out that i was like a selfish individual he said and the reason why is because when i gave advice it was for people to become me mm -hmm. he said when you give advice and you're telling people what to do, you're telling them the way you did it most of the time. And if people don't choose to do it like that, yeah. sometimes you get upset and go, well, then you don't want to win mm -hmm. or you don't want to be successful. When in return, what you're saying is you don't want to become me. He said, and I had to realize that I had to realize the selfish approach to what I thought was help wasn't help at all. It was a moment of me in my ego. And, mm -hmm. and, and at this age, once again, a, an older man now who sees life in a completely different way. And just how you and I are talking, the, the conversation I had with him was, was mind blowing in the same way, because it's, it's going down the same road of evolving and maturing. And he said, yo, he said, now I give information and people have a choice to either use the information or not. So when you say, have I done it? No, because I, I feel like people have, that's the beauty of life. The beauty of life is discovery. Right. Yeah. And who am I to take your discovery away? That's right. And who am I to, to prohibit you from discovering? Now I can say, Hey, let me give you some information about something that I know through some experiences that I've had just to give it to you. And if you choose to take it once again, great. If not great, but ever since I talked to Will, I've, I've taken away that piece of me 
they used to love to give advice mm -hmm. of how I got to, and here's what you do. Yeah. I, I always said to myself, uh, I don't feel like I'm qualified to influence people's people in matters of conscience. And wow. you're, you're exactly right. Uh, and, and it's, uh, it's, uh, you're kind of wanting to demonstrate a superiority if you tell them what to do, as opposed to just dispensing advice, but still it's a fine line. And you understand how, if you're telling them what to do, that resentment can grow from that. So you have to be careful. So Will is exactly right, but still to dispense advice, you have to be prepared for it might get sideways on the person. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right now, you and your your world of entertainment, you know, um, you said something to me early on where you were like, Kevin, you know, you're in it. You said you're not, you know, you're you're on the other side of it. Uh, is there a stop date for you? This is another question I love to ask. Are you are are you at the point where there's a specific date where it all ends? Or is this just now, is it is it something to enjoy in a space of comfort that you do and you may create other things, you may do other things? Where are you at in the business right now? Geez, that's... Uh... <laughs> I'm getting good at this, David. <laughs> I tell you, uh, here's my trouble, uh, or one of my troubles. Uh, I keep forgetting my chronologic age. I keep forget, actually forgetting it. I love that. And somebody, I was talking to somebody today and she reminded me, it was, it was, a, it was a wife of a good friend of mine. And she said, you know, the twins of so-and-so uh, are 61 now. Now, the last time I saw the twins, they were 14. And I, I thought, holy shit, those kids are really old. Wow. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm wow. still older than the alarming age these kids are. Wow. So I keep forgetting that. And I think people do. They put it away. Um, my, my goal is I just I, I feel like I, I the, the person that I operated as for so many years um, was reading the wrong handbook. Mm. And that's, that's what I'm trying to, and, and it, it comes reflexively because you're not in that circumstance. So you're not going to behave that way. Thank God. And I'm fond of saying I probably should have quit 10 or 15 years before I did, because I, I bypassed a lot of things and behaved in ways that was not helpful, not friendly, not uh, without hurting some people. So in terms of how long will I do, will, will I pursue it? Uh, I don't, I don't know, you know, good question, but I, I don't know. I think, geez, it's just a miserable ego of, of people like me where you think I'll keep doing it until I feel better about myself. Well, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. good luck. Well, you're, I mean, what you're saying is just, it's so, it's so amazing. It's so necessary for now, right? Because what now lacks is compassion for, for a you. Mm -hmm. And here's what I mean when I say that. Uh, for a person that, that, that's grown. For a person that's a version, a version of who he or she used to be. Like we, we lack compassion for, for that. We've lost sight 
of the ability to grow, of the ability to uh, throw, throw the older you away because of seeing clearly. Mm-hmm. Clarity is unbelievable, man. Yeah. You yeah. know, when you say blinders and you had blinders on, I want my listeners to truly understand what that means. That's real. Having blinders on and being blind to your surroundings is real. It's real as a victim of it. Talking to a fellow victim of it. Mm-hmm. You can't see what you are oblivious to. And it's not until something happens that takes your mind on a whirlwind to make you go, holy shit, what was I thinking? What was I doing? Who was I? Why was I? Can you make the decision to leave that behind and be better? Now, let me ask you a question because I think about this all the time. If I had stayed in my hometown and never made the move to kind of try what I tried, um, I, that wouldn't have worked. Mm. I, I think I would have ended up dead uh, from alcoholism. So it, it was necessary to make that move. On the other hand, it was so self-consuming as to be damaging to others. I mean, it's the gift and the curse of it. Yeah, that's it's right. The gift, it's the gift and the curse. Like if it, if it was all perfect, is it really worth it? Yeah. I mean, I, I hate to say it. I hate, I hate to say it, but your, your stars are stars for a reason, right? And, you know, the, the lives of stars may not all be as complex, but they're complicated. There's a, there's a lot of complication that comes with that star, with that bright light, with that opportunity. And once again, I go back to the handbook. It's because none of us are taught how to operate within that spotlight. And it comes fucking fast. And what comes with it, the power, the control, the money, the opportunity, it's, it's, it's like nothing you've ever seen or imagined. So, you know, I, I get it when, when you're talking about 30 years. You right now, I can only imagine how, how you think about the 30 years gone. That 30 years probably fucking now when you look back, you go, holy shit. <laughs> 30 years blink of an eye on tv yeah like do you understand like it's 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 unheard of unheard of i i love i love what you're saying because it needs it needs to be heard what what is your mindset on this culture of of not understanding on the culture of cancel on the culture of oh you damn you be done with you mm-hmm. you you know, what, what is your mindset? And granted, I want to make this very clear. To some degree, it's understandable. Some things have to be dealt with in the manner of which they have been. Some things, absolutely, I understand it, I get it. But it's bled into the side of, you know, it's a little blurred now. Which, what's your take on the level of attempt behind cancel culture and not really being patient with one's opportunity to fucking grow? Well, um, I, I feel like, and, and, and a lot of this stuff was, I was unaware of. Mm-hmm. And, and now to see it play out and uh, to invoke the phrase cancel culture and to recognize that people may be guilty of overreacting, 
too, too eager to cancel things that perhaps need to be modified, not canceled. On the other hand, I fully believe things need to be fixed. So let's try to fix everything. We're not going to succeed, but let's try. And, and if we are overly aggressive in making judgment and applying the so-called cancel culture, fine, fine. We can fix that later. Mm-hmm. The bigger problems maybe need this kind of attention. So let's work on those. And mm-hmm. if we make mistakes trying to improve the world, we'll come back and get to those later. I like that. I'm all about solution, not the problem. Yeah, yeah. Once you figure out the problem, we're, we're, we're now talking about solution and, and, and figuring that out. Uh, it doesn't have to be as complex, I think, right. as sometimes we make it. Because I, I think a, a lot of this, a lot of the problems uh, people ignored and so now for them to turn up their nose at solutions or over solutions or, or, or greater scrutiny, well, that's better than ignoring them, you know, mm. Let, mm. let's go, let's, let's examine everything. Um, are your loved ones as intrigued with this version of you as I am? Are they as blown away and, and just like <laughs> in, in, in awe of hearing you talk the way you talk now? How old are your kids? I'm all across the board. I got 16, 13, three in eight months. Oh, God bless you. That's just fantastic. Yeah. It's a fucking mess is what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> it's, it's like a petting zoo. Yeah, it's a goddamn mess. Is what uh, it is. Well, you and I can talk about the 16-year-old. I have a 17-year-old. Oh. And uh, oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's so, I, I mean, at the end of every day, it's so good, but to navigate that day is not without pitfalls. And, 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 and I don't know if your kids hurt your feelings, but I have one. And, and I, I always wish I had uh, like your family. That's great mm-hmm. because you've got a Whitman sampler there. <laughs> <laughs> I just get the one snarky 17 year old. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. Uh, I I can say, you know, but here's the thing, no, David, I, mine's just, it, it's just happened. You know, I don't come from this. I don't come from the big family. I don't come from uh, dinner at 8 PM and, you know, we say a prayer and then eat. I don't come from Hey, let's uh let's do tacos Tuesdays and game nights and you know help with homeworks. I don't come from that. I Me come neither. from figured the fuck out. So now <laughs> being in a being in a situation where we're putting tests and drawings on a refrigerator and you know the birthday parties are in house and family dinners. It's it's a thing. You know I've I found myself falling in love with breaking a chain of old in my family. And and by the way. By the way, in that in that navigation of getting here, I ain't been perfect. I done fucked up so many times because of where I come from. I'm trying to still fix my shit and and make sure that I'm adapting properly to this opportunity at hand, man. But it's it's really blossomed into something nice. And and you know, it it's added as a reason for me to, you know, see a little more clear than yeah. what I want well, to this, this is one of the mistakes that I made. Um you know, I, un- I understood that there's an age limit on having children. Y- you know, when the, the wife and the husband get to be close to 100, yeah, probably not going to have kids. Mm. 
but I was fixated on the damn show. And as much as I love my son, I, I wish he had siblings. But mm. this is the residue. This is collateral damage to the life I led from mm. the life I led. Mm. And, and, and talking to your son now, I mean, you know, are these conversations that you've had and, and opened up like that to your son? Oh, no. No. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. He, okay, Dad, fine. That's enough. No, thanks. I'm good. That's the conversations we have, Kevin. How was school today? Okay. What classes did you have? Yeah, usual. Yeah. Was it good? You know, that's, you know, that's as, as close as we get now. I, I, I am, uh, I'm, I'm a relator, of course. I mean, my <laughs> oldest is 16, like I said, and that's my little girl, man. And it's, it's looking in the mirror. You know, my daughter, my daughter knows everything. She's the smartest, the smartest 16 year old ever walked the face of this earth. She's 16 going on 85. She's done it all. There's yeah. no, I know nothing. I know yeah. nothing at all. So it, it's one of those things. I've heard, and I've said this before, that the people with uh, 16 year old girls say, oh, buddy, hang on. The ride is not over. Yeah. Do you experience that? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I embrace every moment, especially in, in today's time, you know, because this this generation is different. You know, this generation is very expressive uh, feelings, um, outspoken. Um, you know, it's 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 not the same from when when I was coming up. It's damn no not the same, not the same from when you were coming up. So, you know, what I've learned to do and what I've adapted to is you you have to listen. But I'm, I'm a heavy listener and the communication in my household is at a very high level. And it's not about me telling, telling, telling. It's about us discussing, talking and figuring it out. Everything is handled differently mm -hmm. because of because of how this generation navigates. And you have to be mindful. It's the same way I, we were just talking about, you know, the cancel culture and how some things are necessary and needed. Uh, you have to be mindful yeah. of these things and respectful. It's, yeah. it's no different with the generation today. I, I, I realized early and re-realize all the time that the experience I had growing up in no way has any uh, similarity to the way my son is growing up. Absolutely. Well, it's just completely different. So drawing on that level of experience is no good. You know, the, I'll give you, uh, only because this happened last night, uh, and this just, sometimes it makes me laugh. Sometimes I just double over and think, oh, Jesus, what have I done here? <laughs> well, last night, um, I, I think I'm going fishing. So I say to my son, I said, you know, uh, the night before I went fishing and I caught a fish and, and I couldn't, uh, as I was reaching down to unhook the fish, he spit the hook, spit the fly. So I said, you just come along now with the the net i just need a, a net guy <laughs> do i have to well no you don't have to but why don't you i'll be down later so so later he comes out where i'm fishing and it's uh how long do i have to stay here and i said well i'll catch a fish and then you're free to go so it just made me laugh i, I said you you really don't want to be here do you and he said, no i really would rather not be here <laughs> And I said, okay, you can go. I, I, but I mean, how does that not hurt your feelings? Yeah, yeah. 
It's an opportunity. But is, but is it worth an argument? No. I mean, my, my father would have said, God damn it. Sit your ass right here. Yeah, and don't fishing. move. Hold the goddamn net until I get a fish and you better <laughs> shut your mouth. You better, yes, I, I would have been right there. That's my dad as well. Yeah, that's yes. right. My yeah. dad and, and my dad. When I was have, a kid, it was, uh, oh, yeah. And then somebody grabs you by the arm and takes you where they want you to be. Well, you yeah. don't, you can't do that. Can't I mean, do that today. was wrong too. You can't do it today. And you, but no, you, you can't. You, can't you shouldn't have done it then. No, no. You you now see that. Yeah. We now understand that. Uh, you know, my son is my son. I don't know how, but he's he's grown to develop a love for the gym. He loves to be in the gym with me. So like that's our time. That's our bonding time. And my daughter, what I've learned to do with my with my daughter is, you know, I make sure that she has her separate moments where she has me to herself. That's what's most important to her because we got such a big household. I'm constantly being shared. So for her, it's having dad by herself. So, you know, us in the car, taking drives, going out, uh, little lunch dates with she and I, like that's those, that's what she values. But I had to figure that out. Well, see, this is, this is part of what I, what I envy because uh, I know how my son is. I, mm -hmm. I know pretty much I can predict his behavior in a wide variety of circumstances. Mm -hmm. Often I'm wrong, but generally not. I would like that same evaluation process with other personalities in my house. Mm -hmm. You have that. You have a great variety. I, I don't. I just say, yeah, no, <laughs> thanks, bye. <laughs> John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Uh, do you, here's a good question for you. And I'm excited to ask this one. This is, this is about the business today and the direction that it's going in, right? You're coming from 30 years, 30 years of TV. You've seen TV navigate only in one direction network, CBS, ABC, NBC, Fox. You've seen it. It's been traditional. You've then seen the internet become what it's become. Holy shit, look at social media. You saw from the fucking beginning to where it is now. You have seen the world change, and you've seen entertainment be affected from the changes. Now with these streaming platforms, which you now have partnered with, you've seen how it's taken off, and you're now available in all of these countries, 250 different countries your talk show's available. 
is it mind blowing to you to see how how the the broadcasting distribution has grown and and the direction that it's going in yeah it's crazy uh i mean you put it aptly when i was in la trying to become successful as in comedy or show business there were three outlets fox hadn't arrived yet uh, but what I have what I have known, what I have seen and experienced firsthand, is that the entertainment, especially men and women doing stand up, men and women doing stand up comedy now, their comedy is so far more sophisticated than the mm. stuff that the two or three hundred of us were doing back in the seventies and the eighties. Mm. And you would think that with all of these, it, it's like if the NFL expand, expanded to fifty teams, you would think that the talent would water down. And that's what I would expect with the streaming platforms. and uh, But it doesn't seem to have. It, it mm -hmm. seems like, A, it's a, it's a great place to revisit the inventory. It's like the Library of Congress. Here's everything that was ever produced on TV. And if you would like to educate yourself or you wanted to see it again, it's all available. So there's that part of it. Uh, take it or leave it, like it or not. But that does exist. Uh, and then... Uh, there are so many more chances and what's wrong with more chances for anybody? Well, nothing mm. really, you know, you'll, you'll sink or swim. doesn't make any difference if there's a thousand possibilities or if there's 50 possibilities, if you're good enough, you're going to get in that lineup. And I'm overwhelmed at the stuff that uh, it's like going through an encyclopedia. You don't think you, you get to L M N O P whatever you think, well, there's nothing in this that will interest me, but, you're wrong. <laughs> There's always something else out there that will interest you. And the the number and people, I know nothing about these guys and, and women who are successful and they have multi-million dollar deals to do their comedy shows and express their comedy. And I'm once a month, I'm surprised by how good it is. And who is this? I don't know. So I think it's a good thing for, for the culture. I think it's a good thing for show business. Uh, I don't think all of the streaming platforms will survive, but yeah, more opportunity in mm -hmm. almost any walk of life is a good thing. I I had Judd uh, Judd Apatow on the uh, on the podcast, and Judd's been a good friend of mine for years. Judd's a person that was a part of my my start, right? Uh, as are you, and and I just want to make sure that I take the time. We're nowhere near done, but I got to take the time to just give you what I like to call your flowers. Um, I want to make sure that you know this. People are now stars because of the association with you. I'm going to say that again, and I want to make sure no, this lands, say, okay? I want, I want to make sure that this lands. People are now stars because of the association with you. Going through the David Letterman pipeline, was significant enough in several careers that it gave them value to basically become who they now are. At some point in time, although you're on the journey of, of new and, and, you know, erasing a lot of this old, I want to make sure, David, that you sit down at some point in time or stand up when you're fishing next <laughs> and just laugh. Just take a second to laugh 
at the amount of stars that are now able to live the life that they live, to do the things that they're doing, because in the beginning of their career, the stamp of approval came from you. Well, I know, it's, I know it's a crazy thing to think about. Yes. Right? You're, you're kind to say these things. And um, you're, you're very kind to say this. And, and thank you. And it's uh, something to think about. And I will think about it. And, and let's just say it's true. I wish now, hearing this from you, that I had been aware of it in the process. I would have been far more generous to people coming through our pipeline mm. than maybe I, I was. Uh, because you, ha you have to manifest a large degree of ego and selfishness to be in show business. But hearing this now, Kevin, makes me think, holy crap, if this was going on, I should have uh, paid, paid closer attention to it. I should have nurtured this more. Uh, and maybe I did. I don't. I don't even know how you nurture something like this. I mean, maybe just by virtue of being there, uh, people benefit from it. I. I don't know. But now I wish I had actually tended this crop, uh, as we say in the Bible. Do they say that in the Bible? Uh, I. I don't want to say that they don't, but I'm willing to bet <laughs> they that they that they probably do. Uh, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to say. Me up on this. Yeah, I don't want to say they don't because I'm like. If, if, if I was a, if I was a strong reader, yeah, uh, and I'll check Bible, it when I get back to the house. Yeah, I, I would have to know it inside and out to say that they do. So <laughs> that's a way to back up your partner. I don't want to say that they don't. You can say that. <laughs> right? it's just, yeah, show, that's right. I'm, I'm here for you, right? I'm you, on your you side. You show me where they don't say that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all I'm saying. Uh, no, I just thought it was good to say that to you, man. I told Thank Judd. You. You know, the same way I told Judd, I said, dude, I said, you know, there's so many careers in comedy that have popped because of your blessing to to put them on screen. And, you know, I did said the same thing to Ice Cube. There's certain people that just have a have a talent with just an attachment to other talent. And that that attachment is acted as a slingshot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether you see it or not. I'm I'm a student of it. I, I sit back and I, I watch it and I rewatch it and and I, I clearly understand. Clearly, clearly understand. Um, well, I, I saw what you're talking about in in uh, uh, Johnny Carson. Uh, mm. I saw it uh, in in Steve Allen, and uh, I I saw it at the Comedy Store when Richard would come in. I I saw it happen there. So I I've, I've recognized what you're saying in others because. Mm. You know those well, especially Richard and, and Johnny, and anybody else at that level in those days. That was powerful, and, and I understand the the magnetic attraction there. When you look back at it, and you talk about just the stand up time, you know back then, uh, and you talk about just the conglomerates, you know that that were around that you that you were part of. You know you're in that circle of of comedy of comedians. Who was the most mind blowing to you? back then um well when i first got there in 1975 i got to los angeles and the 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 person that just knocked the wind out of you was a guy named tim thomerson and here was a guy who later had a very successful career as a film actor but in in those days he he would destroy the room i mean mm -hmm. really beat up the room 
and then I guess the, then Freddie Prinz would come in. And mm. Same thing. And, and here was a key was 19 or something, maybe 20. I don't know. Uh, the, the other person like that was, was Robin Williams. Mm. Uh, and then Richard, uh, you know, these were, I mean, these guys were the Rocky mountains, you know, mm. you're standing there looking, looking up. Uh, and I'm sure I'm leaving uh, uh, other names out of there. It's a great uh, list. Well, it's a great then, list. You know, Joan Rivers had had the same effect. She didn't. Mm. I don't think she worked the comedy store, but she worked uh, uh, in the neighborhood certainly, and and was a, a great influence uh, for people. Um, yeah, that's. I'll I'll start with that. Uh, you know, but the list is longer than what I can recall right now. That's crazy. I, I I could talk to you, dude, for hours and just just really be engulfed into the to the world of story. Did of, you go through the comedy then. store? I, I came I didn't come up in it. I, I came up through New York. So mm -hmm. getting into the comedy store wasn't a problem when I finally got out here. Um, but I've never I was never engulfed into the the world of it. Like I would come and I would do a set here and there, um, but I was never like a part of a consistent rotation because yeah. at that point I was already on the road. I was, I was doing comedy clubs and colleges at the time. So I didn't spend a high amount of time in the LA comedy circuit. The New York is where I, that's where I like, you know, I, I fought tooth and nail and got into that circuit, you know, and didn't want to leave it. You know, I was yeah. doing six yeah. sets a day in the New York comedy circuit and the LA one, I just felt like, I felt like it was different from coming from the New York one because I felt like the comedians in LA, I felt like didn't want to, everybody always performed as if that's the night that they were going to get shows. Mm -hmm. And what I felt LA lacked was the, was the world of workout, right? New York embraced the world of workout during the week. We're working on material. I got my my paper, my pad, and I'm doing my jokes. And on the weekend, here comes the bigger shows, and everybody's doing their best to bring it. And you know, in LA, every every show, mm -hmm. people are doing the best of the best oh. that they got, and it's all about the kill because who's in the audience? That's right. Well, this is exactly what I'm thinking as you're telling about this. Uh, it was a. a uh, it, it, there was no room in LA. When I was there, it was the, the comedy store. That was it. Mm -hmm. And then there was a place called the horn, which is a, was kind of like a showroom and they would have music and maybe a comic. And then Bud Friedman came out with the improv. So then you had two, two places, the comedy store and the improv. And it was LA. And uh, one night William Morris would buy out the house. One, one night uh, ICM would buy out the house. And so you just didn't have the opportunity or in my case, too, too afraid to actually mature because you, you had your five, 10 minutes and that you knew that was all you were required to do. And you knew that that would get you on television. So you didn't really grow. You, you grew to the level of what will get me on the Merv Griffin show. And then you stopped producing. Mm. But what you're describing is, is a, a community of growth where by God, I know I got to keep working. I know I got to keep working, but it, in Los Angeles, you, you didn't want to have a bad night. Because even if there wasn't somebody in the audience, I, I can remember one time I was, uh, uh, there was a comedian named Pete Barbeauty who was very funny in a, a, a club act. 
and uh, avant-garde and interesting and peculiar, but very funny. And he had to cancel a couple of gigs. So he recommended me and a, a buddy of mine, George Miller. And one of these things was uh, a, a banquet in Idaho for a real estate company, uh, Salesman of the Year Awards. And of course, you know, you're going to have comedy at Salesman of the Year Awards in mm. real estate in Idaho. <laughs> so I, I get up there and uh, it's a, a podium and a gooseneck microphone. <laughs> Uh, and and I do my 20 minutes, dead silence, <clears throat> get on the plane and go home. And uh, later I find out that the, the Pete Barbuti's manager called up Freddie de Cordova at the Tonight Show and said, listen, uh, I keep hearing that you're having uh, thoughts about bringing Letterman on the Tonight Show. Let me tell you, I just saw the kid bomb in Idaho. So it was, you just didn't know, you know, this was... <laughs> This was the world we were living in. I mean, he was right. I bombed yeah. in Idaho. I, I got no problem with that. Yeah, I did. That's a that's a fact. Idaho, yeah. it was. It didn't go good for me. That, no. I, I bombed there. It's all right. It's not a big deal, guys. It's, that was a bad one for me. Idaho is not going to be a strong market for me. Write it down. Yeah. Write it down. Look, it's their problems, not mine. I but I see. This is what I love the most about your your show now. I love you being loose in the front. I love you doing crowd work. And and not not because, you know, it's the it's the comedian. It's just you just look you just look comfortable. You just look so comfortable and at ease. And and it shows. It shows from your body posture, it shows from your wardrobe, uh, and it shows just from from your conversation um with guests. You know what it's like. So it's it got to be fun for me on the old show just talking to the audience before we rolled the, the video. Uh, and, and I loved it. And uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's good. It's uh, it relaxes you. It maybe gets them on your side, but it's, mm -hmm. it's fun. And the pressure uh, is off a little cause it's not the official show. So it's fun. Yeah. I, I enjoy that. Uh, last question. Last question. Most intriguing guests that you feel that you've had the opportunity to talk to. Most intriguing. Intriguing, um, right? Yeah, elaborate on the, the word. When I say intriguing, and I'm going to say the guest that you found yourself most shocked, most shocked and amazed at their mindset, right? Like, like I, sometimes I, I, I can meet a person and the conversation grows into into such a, a a crazy space of a crazy space of not big words but mind fuck right where you find a person's approach to life understanding to life where they are what they're doing and it's it's wrapped up into a small conversation but it really makes you go wow mm -hmm. that person hey man that that was a dope conversation. The energy that that person just put out, I received. That person's got some good, good energy that gets put out. Who, who hit you with the ball of refreshing energy that you can remember to date? Um, <clears throat> this is a pretty good. Uh, it's a pretty good question, and uh, I wish I had a pretty good answer. But I'm going to do my best. Okay. Uh, 
and based on your elaboration of in, intrigue, uh, it was a, a young woman who, who lives in Los Angeles, who's in the music world, very successful by the name of Lizzo. Mm. I, uh, my prior expectation of this experience was uh, at its best neutral. Mm -hmm. uh, because if, if you're in show business, typically, and we talked about this a little earlier, typically you're expected to meet a certain level. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people in show business don't meet that level. So my expectation, and I, and I studied her life, and I studied her for about six weeks, and I knew of her, knew what she did. She had been on the old show. But uh, almost everything you said about my reaction to her after the fact happened. Mm. Delighted, uh, comfortable, didn't want to leave, wanted to stay in her house, mm. wanted to help her. I, I, I felt... Uh, I wanted to. I wanted to go around and find out who was handling her, mm -hmm. and I wanted to, to uh, you know, screen them. I wanted to make sure she was being taken care of because I found her spirit, Kevin, to be. Uh, and maybe I'm hyperbolic here on this, but I found her spirit to be uh, huge, mm. not not like anything I had experienced. I know there are people like that, and I know there are people like that in show business, but this particular episode uh i was delighted by for still am wow so while that doesn't answer your question that does it, well not the nightly show i i would have to go back and think about that but, but it, that's i said in general it didn't have to be night just yeah, in general well, like who? recently i think that she had the greatest impact on me now you know i i don't mean to be selling others short but it's just when you elaborated i thought i it's still her i totally get it yeah. I totally get it. She's a she's a vibrant personality, a good person too. I met Lizzo a couple of times. Really good person. Uh, and speaking of good person, man, I gotta just talk about you and just say what a good person you are. And this this conversation, man, it was it was dope. It was educating. It was refreshing. Um, and it's an honor to be on the opposite side, right? Like you know, this is what you do. And for me to be able to sit on this side and and talk to you and ask you questions. Uh, do this in honor. This is a this is a humbling experience and a notch I'm gonna put on my goddamn professional belt, and it's one that I'm putting a gold star next to because I don't take it for granted. Let, let me say one thing here. Uh, my expectation uh, for this experience, I wasn't sure what to expect. You're really good at this. Thank uh, you, man. And and I've enjoyed this immensely. And um, I. I have this feeling, I know it's not accurate, but I always, like when other people are on this <clears throat> Netflix show, if it goes really well, I, I have this emotional feeling that I always express by saying to the person, I love you. Uh, mm. And I, I think later, no, wait a minute, really? Is that, is that, is that accurate? Mm. I don't know, but that's the way I feel about you. So God bless wow. you, my friend. Thank you, man. Guys, this is Comedy Gold Mines. And what is this about? Well, it's about getting into the amazing minds of comedians. And oh my God, what amazing minds they are. And today was no different. God, how privileged are we? We got inside the mind of David Letterman. It doesn't get any better. David, man, I appreciate you. Uh, I am forever a fan. I am forever a supporter. And, and dude, forever a friend. If you ever need me, I'm here. And I mean that. Uh, 
And hey, look, I don't fish, but if you want me to grab the net one time and come out there with you, you got yourself a date, buddy. All right. Well, that's great because who needs the kid? <laughs> I will join you any day. David, thank you, Lover, very much. thank you, man. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack.